This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Oh, <laughs> You're on the crazy train. <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. That's right, folks. Get your tickets punched right here on the cutting edge outdoors for a wild ride, like the man said, on the crazy train. That's right. This is the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., and we are a live show, so watch your watch what you say. Anyway, you can always call us at 414-799-1250 if you have any questions or comments, or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. I'm Tom Neubauer, and my buddy over there on the other side of town is Danny Bush, and Sam Schmitz is on the boards. Good morning, Danny. Morning, Tom. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Yeah, we got an email from Tex in the Big Rig. He wanted to know when the best time to call. Now, I already sent him an email back, but I let him know on the phone, too, that he wanted to know when the best time to call so he doesn't run out of time. And, you know, because sometimes somebody will call like a minute or two right before a break. So I told him, you know, we take our breaks at, you know, 15 after, 30 after, 45 after the hour. So it's always best to call right after after a break as soon as we come out of a break then he's got time to tell us whatever it is he wants to tell us so we'll, we'll be looking for a phone call from Tex. and danny did you get the the dnr wisconsin update on the hunting dates you know when everything is opened up for uh yeah yeah you did get that okay i, I did get that 
Yeah, um, we can go through that during the show at some time too. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's really <laughs> changed much as far from any previous printed material, but uh, yeah, it, it would be good if you got the list in front of you. Yeah, uh, you could kind of go through it. Yeah, it seems like. Uh, well, they said that the the it's a one page. I mean, a one booklet now instead of having a a bunch of booklets. They got one booklet on all the different uh, dates and times and whatever of all the different species. So um, that they said it should be out real soon, or it's out already at uh, you know the different uh, dealers of DNR uh, licenses and you know. Oh yeah, that's. In fact, I guess the latest, uh, as of this Tuesday, the 24th, it says the uh, 2021 Combined Wisconsin Hunting Regs pamphlet is available online now and will soon be available at license agents. Right. So it looks like they're probably printing it right now. So, um, yeah, but you can go online now. And nowadays, Tom, I... Uh, I, I I want I would probably guess half the people out there just go online and don't even bother grabbing pamphlets anymore. Yeah, I well you know when I was at Sherpers we we had, we had you know I'd say we have quite a few people you know grabbing the pamphlets. Uh, I I think you're right that a lot of people do go online, and I there's probably maybe an equal amount that you know grab the pamphlet because they like maybe like to have it with them you know. Um, wherever they're going, and maybe they're driving someplace, and their co-pilot can be reading different things, you know, on what's going on for this year. So, but yeah. Right. It, uh, now you got you got your uh, your bear stand up right this week. Yes, it was uh, it was quite the adventure uh, getting up there. We uh, I drove up there with uh, with Jeff and. Um, it's it, it, you know it's kind of funny we're driving we first you got to drive through this big field and then off into the woods and I'm all worried about my you know new truck so I don't want to get it scratched up so you know I'm looking carefully at branches off to the side of the trails so they don't scratch my truck and I was so obsessed with that that I did not see the big buck that ran right in front of my truck and I almost hit it oh, but Jeff really? Jeff, well, I was only going one mile an hour. I mean, it's like a logging road. And Jeff was yeah. behind me, and he saw this nice buck in velvet run alongside the truck and then cut right across the trail in front of my truck. And I never saw it. Really? Uh, I'm like the guy who hit the little kid in the crosswalk. Well, I shouldn't talk. That's a terrible thing. But, uh, you know, I'm like the guy who didn't see what was right in front of me. I was so obsessed with uh, you know, look at, looking around uh, at the trees that were scratching the side of my truck and swerving to avoid those. And apparently it's a nice one, and, and it's it's 30 yards from the cabin. Uh, the trail runs right by there. So uh, my plan when I go up there hunting with for the bear with, with Jeff is I'm going to take my crossbow because bear season for baiters starts uh, September 15th, but the uh, bow season slash crossbow starts september 18th so i'm gonna try and hunt right around the cabin and see if i can uh see if i can get that buck yeah that's pretty interesting you know that's amazing you know like when you say you didn't see it even though it was right in front of you uh many years ago i was driving on the freeway and you know it was at night but anyway i hit something and it turns out i hit a deer and never saw it 
I, I, I don't know if I was, you know, looking down to change the station on the radio or, or what. Maybe I was dozing off. I don't know, but never saw the darn thing, you know. So yeah, yeah and, that can and happen, I guess. I remember you told me that told me that story years ago, and I thought, how in the wide world could he have done that? But now yeah. after having pulled my move there, I'm like, oh, geez, yeah, I guess uh, you can, you know, glance down for a second or whatever. I guess that's uh, further evidence why people should not be texting and driving. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a dumb thing to do for sure. I will, I, I will say, Tom, that last year, at last year, last week, I think I touched upon my, my venture of trying to get a new uh, trail camera that's a cellular trail camera, the newest, latest, and greatest. And it's kind of funny. There's an article in one of the magazines this week I was reading, and the guy's talking about all the new, you know, trail cam options that link to your cell phone. And he's talking in there about it was just 20 years ago when we had the film uh, trail cameras that had the, the, you know, the 35 millimeter yeah. film in it. And we thought that that was the cat's ass. I mean, you thought that was the latest and greatest. And, and I could really relate to what he said because I did exactly the same thing. You would go and pull the film out and then you would rush over to Walgreens and you'd wait breathlessly in the parking lot for the one hour, you know, developing of your film. And you were all excited to get that packet of pictures of the deer that, that passed your stand. And that was, but you know, it cost a fortune in film, but we didn't care. It cost a fortune in batteries that it used to eat the batteries up, but we didn't care. And it was still great. Then it went to the ones with the SD card. And I was totally amazed of the with that technology because you know I barely had a, a computer at that point and an SD card wow you can pull it out and put it into a viewer or I could actually put it right into my digital camera and look at the pictures that was the latest and greatest now they got it set up where you can put in a micro SD card which is an even smaller card and you can also have it you know if it's a cell type one linked where it goes right to your phone it's just amazing the transformation. Well, technology nowadays, yeah, you're right. It's just amazing what can be done, and um, that's just one evidence of it. So, um, I, so I was joking. I was joking with you last week that it took me a day and a half trying to figure out because I got a spy point camera, uh, and I had to. You know, follow the directions as best I could. And I'm not good at reading directions. I, my ADHD kicks in. I, I don't like to have to read something for a long time. Thank God for YouTube videos. But it still took me, like I said, a, at least a day to figure this all out and get it going. I had to download the SpyPoint app onto my uh, phone. Then I think I, I think there was a code. I took a picture. I, I scanned that then they got my model number of my camera and then I had to go through and register it and then I had to set the settings as far as how many times I wanted to transmit pictures, what quality, uh, you know, I, I, all kinds of stuff. So the YouTube video, I watched some guy do it, so I, I kind of set it up like that. So I set it up to transmit twice, twice a day and it asks you what time and I put uh, 12, uh, 12 a.m. I put. 
or 12 p.m., one or the other, I can't remember. And I thought, well, what's the next time it does? Because I set it up twice, but it didn't give you a choice for the second time. Well, now I found out, Tom, I'm getting trail cam pictures at 12 noon and 12 a.m. sent back 380 miles from the palatial estate in Douglas County, and it shows up on my cell phone. So when I get up at midnight to take my morning, well, whatever, you know, what what us old guys always do all night long, I can't wait to grab my phone off off, off the counter and look for the latest pictures that just got delivered. That's and uh, we, we set the bait out on, yeah, we set the bait out on Sunday, and the bear started hitting it on Thursday. And now I'm getting pictures regularly. Looks like there's about three different bear coming in. But I'll tell you, it's just it's it, it's just amazing, and it, it's really fun. It gives me gives me something to look forward to each day around noon uh, and and midnight. Can't wait to, to you know turn on the camera and see what's there. Yeah, that is amazing that you can be in Pewaukee looking at your trail cam up in Douglas County. You know, I mean that is, that is truly amazing. Well, it's 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 nuts, you know, and and I actually got a trail cam uh, picture of uh, of uh, my cousin uh, baiting the stand, and uh, last night, and then when within two hours there was a bear in there, and the other thing too is you can also check the status of the camera. It'll t- it tells you how much battery power you have left. I'm at 94% battery. It tells you uh, what the cell phone reception is. Uh, it's 90% up there. I got good reception. I mean, it, it tells you the temperature of what what the temperature is up there. It's just nuts. It's crazy. That that is that really is amazing. That really is. That, that's and really I, cool. And I will put in a plug, being as there's all kinds of trail cams on the market, and a lot of our listeners are probably out there. I mean, there's Bushnell, there's Moultrie, there's all kinds of them. I got the Spy Point one. Now they sell one that's like 400, 400 some dollars, and I think that one will take video and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I got the uh, I got the Spy Point Micro LTE, and it's connected with the nationwide cell network. So it doesn't matter what cell coverage you have with your with your phone. Doesn't matter. Um, but it's got like a, I think the nationwide network that this one has a combination of whatever signal it gets best, AT&T or a couple other ones. Um, and then they sell some phones, that, phones, uh, trail cams that link up just with Verizon. But I got the one that's nationwide and it, it was, I saw it, I got it for 129 bucks. Of course, then I was disappointed because I went to Cabela's and I saw the same one there for $119. And they had it on sale for eighty nine dollars. So oh, wow. I could have, yeah. So I paid one hundred twenty nine. But I'll tell whether you pay eighty nine or one hundred twenty nine. The fact that you can get a camera, a, a cell trail cam, with that much technology that works is totally amazing. Now the picture quality, I will say this: I it's not super super clear, but it's plenty good enough to see deer or bear. So I'm plenty happy with it, but with both the night and the daytime pictures. So if anybody's uh, looking at uh, getting into that spot, uh, the cellular trail cam market, I would uh, highly recommend that uh, that Spy Point camera for that relatively inexpensive price. That sounds awesome. And right now we got to go to our first break. 
maybe when we come back, we'll talk a little fishing. Uh, there's a hot new color out for mini mites right now. Not, it's not new. It's been around for quite a while, but it seems like a lot of people are using it and catching fish on it. So we'll be right back with that and more right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. We got Sam, our producer, in the studio. And right now we have Tex in the big rig on the line. Yeah, good morning, Tex. Good morning, boys. How are we today? Good, good. How about you? Oh, surviving the lightning storms and all that from last night. How about you guys? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> oh, really? Boy, I, think we, hey, I slept good, too, but, boy, we tried to go to the football game, and most of them up here got canceled at halftime, and they're resuming them today. Yeah, I think most of those storms were north of us. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, pretty good storms. We didn't uh, we didn't get it here. I talked to uh, a gentleman up near the uh, lacrosse area. He called me up in the area where we hunt, and he uh, he 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 was when he called. It was pouring rain yesterday in the afternoon. So, looks like it really hit that northern part of the state and swept west to east. Yeah, it was nice. We were uh, at the Menasha football game, and uh, uh, we watched it just go right across Appleton and. They, because of lightning, you know, if they see lightning anywhere, they shut everything down. So. Oh, yeah. Speaking so of shutting it, like it down Winnebago because of lightning, back? pardon? What's it like on Winnebago? Well, it's uh, that was one of the questions I actually had for you. You know, after lightning and stuff like that and the, all that rain, uh, doesn't that kind of usually shut things down for the next day? Usually. Uh, especially for panfish? Usually, but not always. But as a rule of thumb, it usually does. Yeah, I was going to get up early and go this morning for panfish, and I thought, mm, I don't know, you know, it's all that. But, Many, uh, but lately on Winnebago, you know, of course we get the the regular algae bloom and all that, but uh, perch fishing has pretty, pretty, been pretty good when you find them. The problem is is uh, there's just tons of sheephead this year all across the lake. You you. Even though people aren't really reporting much on Lake Link, uh, you know, as far as any fishing reports, it's, uh, I really think it's not so much that people are catching fish and don't want to tell you. I think it's more of, it really is, uh, been really scattered this year for walleye, even though when you find the walleye, it's good. Have you ever eaten a sheephead? I haven't yet, but I always hear good reports about it. Yeah, I, I know they're really good to smoke, and from what I hear, the upper part of the of the fillet, the, the loin part, if you will, that that's supposed to be good. Kind of like cleaning the white bass then, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, to- yeah. Tom, that smoke, th- anything that tastes like crap is good to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's because sheep said are uh, oily fish. So oily oh. fish are, you know, better smoking than non-oily fish. Uh, see. I stand well, you know, by my previous of, comment. Cooking, speaking of cooking of fish, I, you know, you guys, I was listening to your podcast yesterday from last week, and there, you were talking about the Nile perch. And I used to work at a beach resort in Florida that had tons of Nile perch in it they brought in. And uh, those things were getting, you know, a good three pounds or so, most of them, and you could feed them. But I always wondered how good they taste, you know. And 
Have you actually heard how good they are at all? I've never heard anything about it, but over in the Nile, I mean, they'll get up to, what did we say, Danny, like 400 pounds? I, I, really? yeah, I don't and, even know. I mean, know. they get really huge, but I, I don't know how they taste. I never, never talked to uh, an Egyptian to tell me. Uh, hey and then one more thing i want to touch on is you guys are talking about jj keller and did you know he actually uh of course he's a really given guy but did you know that he actually uh sponsored uh, a dinnerod uh racer that won a couple of times from this area yes i i did i did uh i did hear that something that i think their team was a five-time winner or something in fact uh our friend Troy Peterson, Mr. Bluegill, uh, was involved with J.J. Keller uh, with, their, with their fishing team years ago, and, and he was big into videotype stuff, and I think he actually went up one year and videotaped it. Oh, did it? Yeah. Yeah, I know he was a young kid that, that, that won it a couple of times uh, that I'm thinking of, but yeah, so yeah, he's really been a good thing for our community up here, at least, uh, that I know of, but... Uh, and then uh, just one other thing I was wanted to point out is, did you know they were, I think they were real close to passing an ordinance now where the commercial fishermen on Green Bay, lower Green Bay, can do more harvesting of the whitefish, you know, as far as putting the big long nets out and stuff. And I think that's really going to affect our white fishing. And I'm kind of worried that it's going to affect our perch fishing, you know, since it was starting to come back up there. And, yeah, because uh, when they put out those long nets, I mean, they catch a lot of what they call incidental species. Right. And, you know, when it comes to the perch, now I understand they're supposed to put them back, throw them back, but can they and do they? You know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah well, that's... How long can a fish live in a in a, uh, you know, a gill net, you know? Well, that's that's a good dies. question, too. I'm, I'm my My guess is, however that uh, habitat-wise, no, I, I totally am not a commercial fisherman, but I'm guessing that those whitefish areas might not be the same exact locales that most of the perch are hanging out in anyway. At least that would be kind of a guess. I could be wrong. Yeah. See, we were up in uh, Red River fishing, which is the lower part of Green Bay, and uh, we were ice fishing up there, and, and I I had to walk out so I can barely breathe by the time I get up there where I wanted to fish, which wasn't really far offshore. And uh, so I'm fishing, and all of a sudden these two guys in these antique uh, snowmobiles, they pull up like probably 50 yards away from me. I didn't even notice there was a big round hole about six foot in the ice and uh, perfectly round holes, and they drug their shack over those holes. And here... After looking about every 50 to 75 yards, there was another hole. And so they had that long a net between three holes all the way across there, you know. And I was like, well, no wonder I'm not catching anything. The nets are. Well, with those holes, Tex, did they have those big holes marked? Nope, there wasn't. There was no markings whatsoever, you know. And after I walked, after they left, and I see a ton of blood on the ice, and you know, I walked over and looked down. I thought, man, that's crazy. You know, somebody could go right through that hole, you know, like a sturgeon hole on Winnebago. I'm like, man, not even marked at all. Yeah, but anyway, I- so that concerns me. There's going to be more holes in the ice, and we got enough people going through the ice driving out there on Lower Green Bay, you know. So text. So text. Uh, they uh, they they seine or whatever they gill net for these whitefish in the winter time. Uh huh. 
Yep. Yeah, they, wow. they run those nets under the ice, and you see it on those, like, uh, Alaskan shows on TV where they'll run nets under the ice like that. But I've never seen it that far before. But, I mean, you got to figure that's at least 150 yards worth of net that, that I saw. Wow. That's crazy. That is just crazy. So, but my point is, is now they're, that's a lot of net. They're covering a lot of water, and there's a lot of fish that's got to be getting caught in those nets that are incidentals, you know. So, yeah, I have a hard enough time with the, you know, like Bushy, your friend that Ron Johnson fishing Winnebago here, and they're still holding the fish up and everything, like Tom, like he used to do, you know, nowadays. And here are our walleye fishing, even though. They say it's going to be great next year. You know, there's just not many, not tons getting caught like normal, you know. And so I'm worried about those fish dying, you know, with these tournaments. And I don't want to be extremist, but just uh, just makes yeah. me wonder, you know. It it does seem like maybe we've gone overboard on tournaments a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they are, I, they but do, I, every time I turn around, they're adding another tournament on Winnebago. I thought, that's the last thing this lake needs right now. You just went to three fish minimum or maximum. And it's like, well, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you're going to keep adding tournaments. Unless you're going to do that, take a picture and put it back, then then I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think that's what uh, the organization called AIM does. They, When they catch nice. a fish, they, they, take a, they measure it, take a picture, and throw it back. And I think yeah. that's that's the wave of the future now. Yeah, and that sucks for the fans that want to go out and see the big weigh-in and all that because, you know, you got the Merkin Nationals up yeah. here and everybody likes to go see the fish, you know, but, man, that's a ton of fish. It, we actually used to clean just those big 100-gallon coolers full. I mean, just tons and tons of fish were coming in from the Merkin Nationals alone that we would clean and then feed to the you know, the food pantries, and, uh, oh, I just couldn't tell you how many pounds of fish that we ended up, you know, from that yeah. tournament alone feeding the food pantry, which is, at least it went towards a good thing, so. Yeah, at least they weren't thrown in the trash, you know, so that's good. Right. But anyway, so I listen to your podcast, as you know, and uh, try to get caught up on, and then you guys get me going, and then i got to write things down and <laughs> give you a call sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, don't be a stranger, Tex. All right, guys. Well, I uh, hope to see you sometime soon, you know. Uh, all right. Bushy, someday I'm going to get down there to Pewaukee and, and uh, uh, catch all your bluegill there off your boat ramp. So. <laughs> all right. That sounds good, Tex. All right. All right. You guys have a great day. Oh, uh, That was Tex in the big rig, but I don't think, Danny, he was in the big rig this morning. <laughs> Probably not. Had a day Probably off, not. maybe, you know, which is good. You need a day yeah. off every now and then. And right now, you know, we got to do commercials every now and then. And coming up is uh, the bottom of the hour commercial. So we're going to take it a, a minute or so early. And coming up next after this commercial is the gut report. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, he's Danny Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. We got Sam Schmitz on the boards. And we will be right back. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this week, folks, we're going to do a dessert. That's right. I, You know, generally, I don't do many desserts on the Gut Reports. I can't tell you. It's maybe I can count them on one hand, the number I've done. But this is an easy one, and it's very good. First of all, you need the juice from about two oranges, which is a quarter cup. You need a quarter cup of orange juice. 
Now, you could use lime juice or lemon juice as well, but I prefer the orange. And then you need five egg yolks, five tablespoons of confectioner sugar. That's the powdered sugar. So you put all those in a bowl, in a metal bowl, and you put the metal bowl over some boiling water in a kettle. Okay, you get a kettle with some, you know, uh, minimum uh, medium boiling water, you know, where it's steaming. And you either whisk it or use a handheld mixer. Now, if, if you want to, you know, strengthen that wrist and forearm, use the whisk. <laughs> anyway, so you whisk it until it gets a thicker consistently, kind of like pancake batter. Then what you do is you get a glass, and depending on what type of glasses you have, I mean, I don't know, you put some berries in the bottom, first of all. Now, what kind of berries? Well, you can use raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, cut up strawberries, whatever you like. And you get a mixture of them. You put a layer of berries, and then you put a layer of what's called sabalone. That's what we're making, a sabalone. And you put a layer of sabalone. Then you put a layer of berries and another layer of sabalone and top it off with some whipped cream. I'm telling you, you'll impress your family and friends with this. It's easy to make, but like I said, you got to mix it with a whisk or a blender and to make sure you get that uh, consistency like uh like I said, like pancake batter, and it tastes really good. So try it if you will. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service at 51st in Oklahoma and Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for getting on board the crazy train this morning. We always uh, make it a point to thank uh, law enforcement officers, first responders, firefighters, military, healthcare workers out there taking care of us, and truck drivers like Tex as well, keeping America's freight rolling. Thanks to all of you, and thanks to our listeners. Yeah, you know, when you drive on the freeway, it's amazing how many semis are out there moving freight around. I mean, all kinds of goods are being moved through this country. I mean, you ever notice that, Danny, how many semis are on the freeways? It's a lot of them. There, there, are, there are a lot of semis, and, uh, you know, those guys, uh, I respect them. That uh, <clears throat> I don't think I'd want to do it, especially driving in the winter. Oh, um, yeah, I know. That would be terrible. I, although the one thing that has surprised me, Tom, is uh, I have been surprised at the number of, uh, it seems like there are more semis involved in accidents these days. And I I, uh, uh, I don't know, driving too fast for conditions. You know, years ago when I first started driving in the 70s, the uh, semi drivers, they had the recommendation, they had the reputation of being the best drivers on the road, the safest drivers. They'd always flash their lights when it was safe for you to you know, pull after if you'd passed them, they'd flash their lights that it's safe to pull on in. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know if that level level of uh, decorum exists on the highways today. I don't know. Well, I know, I know, I do it. Like if there's a semi on my right or left of me, 
and I'm going along, and, you know, they're a little in front of me, and they put on their blinker, that their directional, that they want to move into my lane. I always flash my lights, letting them know it was safe to move in, you know. I'm not one of those guys that wants to try to step on the gas and beat that semi, you know, and, and get in front of them before they turn. No, I don't care if they get in front of me. That's no big deal. But I want them to do it safely because when a semi has a wreck on the on the highway, that that, I mean, that involves usually more than just a semi. It involves other vehicles and all that, and it ties up the, that freeway for a long period of time. They just had that recently on, on 94 eastbound. Uh, was it down by Kenosha or Racine? Where they had, every, they had to kick everybody off the freeway because it was all, you know, tied up because of, you know, a big rollover. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I flash the lights. Do you do that? Yeah, at times yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I also try and flash. I, yeah. I also try and flash my high beams on those people that drive you nuts, just to let them know. Uh, you know how like you'll be in the left lane on the highway, and that's the faster lane, the passing lane. And for some reason, somebody's going slower than you know, and there's kind of a line. And then, you know, you just got to stay in the lane and eventually you'll get passed. But there will be somebody in the right-hand lane that gets impaired. No, behind you, that'll dart in the right-hand lane, race ahead of 10 cars, and expect to cut right in. <laughs> I, you know, and, and, they'll, and they'll cut in whether they, you got the bumper space or not. I'll, I'll uh, flash my high beams on those knuckleheads. And then, and then they're not getting any further ahead. They're still, you know, in line in the left lane. Just... Drives me nuts. Some of the people on the road. Yeah, and you know what's nice is when you when you flash to let the the semi driver know that it's safe safe to to you know move into your lane. It's nice that every now and then they'll they'll flash their lights to let you. It's kind of like a thank you, you know. Hey, thank right. you for doing it. You know, and I appreciate that. Sometimes they don't do it, and but a lot of times they do. So it's it's all right. It's good. I got yep. no complaints. Got no complaints. No. So. Oh. So tell us your mini mite story, Tom. Oh, your I was new say secret that. color. You know, you know, for years, I always my favorite color has been orange, uh, orange mini mite, and of course the white mini mite is always real good too. But the orange one is always my favorite. Now, and you know, the owner of uh, Cubby Tackle who makes mini mites says that uh, blue is a real good color too. Well, I've never used blue. I probably should try it. But anyway, but no, lately. A lot of guys that I've talked to have been using pink. It's like a bubblegum color, okay, a pink bubblegum color. That that is, you know, a lot of guys are using that and catching a lot of panfish on bubblegum color. So, and, you know, uh, you know the Linders, they, they like that pink color for jigs and lures and all that stuff. So maybe there's a trend happening here, you know. I just well, I know. I think Al Linder, his favorite color for smallies is pink. Yeah. And one of yeah. his favorite baits is the pink X wrap, the jerk bait. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, maybe there's something going on here. But yeah, that bubblegum. I've been hearing more and more people. And one of my sons, uh, when I was out with the grandkids, uh, the, the, he was using it, and they were catching fish on it. But well, this this past week, though, I was not able to go out with my grandkids, which. We've been doing, you know, for uh, every week now for a while, uh, but I was not able to do it this week because I was in quarantine. I happened to hang out with some people that eventually.
eventually. Uh, I didn't know that they had the coronavirus at the time, and they didn't know either. But it turns out they did, and I was with them, so I couldn't hang out with uh, my son and the grandkids, you know, to go fishing. So i got to wait until this coming week. Just, just put a little salve on that rash, Tom. It'll go away. Salve on that rash? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, 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 I had a friend years ago. You'd be out and about. You'd be like if you were in a bar talking to a girl, and yeah. he'd walk up to you and he'd say real loud, "Oh, hey, don't worry, Dan. Just put a little salve on that rash. It'll go away." And then he'd walk away. <laughs> oh, nice friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was, yeah. I was wondering what you were talking. About. Oh yeah. Hey, lots of a lot of buddies that were funny guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> funny guy. Hey, uh, you know, I uh, set up that uh, bear bait, and uh, it, it's very interesting. The bear baiting is. Uh, kind of a fascinating process um it uh, the, the the bear are very intelligent and they can really start to pattern the person where if you go in at a certain time each day they get to the point where they know where you walk in from they know what time you come when you leave and uh they can alter their feeding patterns uh, accordingly and especially a, a big old bear now like we got a monster Looks like it's about 600 pounds on a trail cam from last year during deer season um, in late fall. Uh, and that's a monster. And, you know, and that was that was at night that 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 picture was taken. So whether or not we're going to fool a wily old customer like him, I'm thinking a big old bear, giant bear like that could be, I don't know, 20, 25 years old. But uh, our friend Randy Reading uh, forwarded me a uh, uh, Outdoor Life article that talks, it says, new research shows black bears are pretty darn smart. And it says eight years of study in Oklahoma shows that uh, black bears are more intelligent than they thought. Now, I don't know if they gave them some IQ tests or how they determined that necessarily, but it does uh, relay one story about a landowner who had a, had a feeder and uh, he was trying to keep the bear out of his feeder. I guess, I'm guessing it was probably a deer feeder with corn. So what he did was he electrified the legs holding up the feeder, right? Okay. But a bear actually learned how to unplug it. So the bear got shocked a few times before it figured out how to unplug the feeder. But once it learned it, it didn't forget. Wow. And then one of the biologists says this. Uh, he says, they bears are a lot smarter than I realized. Uh, he said, and when they learn things like that, they teach their offspring. So, I mean, it, it really is, uh, it, it really is amazing, I guess, how, uh, you know, how smart, you know, how smart animals can be. We think they all just live by instinct or whatever, and they're kind of a bumbling bear just stumbles on into a bait, but the big ones... They don't get, I guess they have the old expression, even like big deer, they don't get that big, you know, by accident. Right, and being talking about being smart, let's hope one of our human animals is smart today to win the Hornschwaggle, which is coming up next. And the Hornschwaggle is brought to you by Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls between, on the corner of Pilgrim and Silver Spring. They've got all kinds of great sausages and meats and all kinds of stuff there. So you can win a $10 gift certificate from Carl's Country Market. It's also brought to you by Bait Made Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. 
and you'll win a real nice prize package from those people if you win the Hornschwaggle. But in order to play the Hornschwaggle, you have to have not have won in the last two months. I'm, excuse me. If you won in the last two months, don't call. Uh, but if you haven't won, you can call this number, 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250 to be a contestant in the all-famous, world-renowned Hornschwaggle. So call right now, folks. We'll be right back. the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. Thanks for getting on board the crazy train. And right now we have the Hornschwaggle contest. And do we have a lucky contestant, Sam? Yes, we do, Bushy. Today our lucky contestant is Mike in Pewaukee. Morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. Morning. Feeling, feeling lucky to be a lucky contestant. Okay, that's good. Glad you're feeling good this beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, So I've been talking about black bear, so I kind of got bear on the brain. So that's what we're going to go with, Um, black bears. So here we go. Black bears, the only color for black bears is black. They don't have any other color patterns, hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle. Uh, no hornswoggle. No, that's a hornswoggle. Mm. They can come in blonde, uh, kind of brown, chocolate, especially out west. Okay, but that's okay. You still got chance. Two more, two more shots. Here we go. Uh, if you if you are a young male black bear, it's probably a good idea for you to avoid the older, bigger male black bears. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Yes, yes. Unless you want to get killed, maybe. And, uh, yeah. Okay, next one. Uh, Wolves. Uh, Wolves can be enemies of black bears, particularly uh, if they catch a female napping in a den in the middle of winter. No hornswoggle. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Very good, very good. You got that. Yeah, I've heard that if they... Tom, that if they find a den that they can get into when old mama bear's in there groggy with the cubs, they might drag them out and eat them. So, yeah, oh, not wow. a good thing to be a groggy bear in a den. Make sure those wolves can't find that den. So, anyway, uh, what, we'll put you on hold there, Mike. And, uh, oh, you've been doing any fishing, hunting lately? No, I haven't. I'm uh, planning on getting out now, uh, either today or tomorrow. I was thinking about maybe after the Packer game today. Oh, okay. So, uh, what, uh, what do you like to bow hunt or what, um, or fish or what, what do you normally like to do? I, I, I like to bow hunt with a crossbow and I, I like to fish and I like to fish for mostly largemouth bass. Okay. It seems, it seems like that's what I have the best luck with. No matter what lure I'm throwing, I'm, I'm going to be catching a largemouth bass. If, you can, so, you know, if that makes any sense to you. No, no, that does make sense because these lakes around us in southeastern Wisconsin, actually all over the state, they're just full of largemouth bass, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a good fish to go after. There's lots of them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Say, nice. let, it can be quite a challenge. How about Mike? I was trying. I don't know if you heard the show earlier today. I was talking about trail cameras, um, and I just got one that sends the pictures right to my phone. It's just great. Uh, have you used trail cameras very much? Uh, yeah, I have one that'll download to my computer where I can, you know, look at look it up on my computer. I was wondering about the kind like you have though. Is there a fee for the internet? You, um, you pay an additional fee for that? That's a you know that's I'm glad you brought that up brought that up basically with with my phone that I got it includes 100 free photos for the first month now obviously a trail cam can take a whole bunch of photos uh, even though I set mine on a three minute delay so it's not taking 10 pictures of the same animal um, but I uh, I pr- I p- bought a package which I thought was fairly reasonable. Uh, they call it the standard plan. $10 a month, I can get a thousand photos sent to me. So I thought a thousand photos out of covered. I think if you want to get unlimited, it's like maybe, I think I want to say 15 or $17 a month. But you know, they really got a pretty good setup, guys, because think about it. It's not a one-time sale. Like years ago, they sell a sale a cam that uses an SD card. Oh yeah, they, it's a one-time sale and that's it. But now they sell the camera, and now they've got ongoing subscribers. You know, I've got it set up where it's just going to be billed off my, uh, you know, credit card every month. Uh, and I can cancel it, I guess, after three months. But I'm thinking a lot of hunters will keep it going 12 months out of the year. They like to have their cameras up. So I, I think uh, I think SpyPoint would probably be some good stock to invest in because they got a good stream of income coming in once they sell the cameras. Yeah. It's, it's a great idea. I'd, I'd like to get one myself. Yeah. So, and, and the, the hard part for a dummy like me was figuring it out and setting it up. But if I can do it, anybody can do it, Mike. Oh, don't sell yourself short. I'm sure you're a really great guy. Yeah. Yeah, some way. So, anyway, make sure we'll put you on hold, get your address. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You too. All right. Hey, Danny. Yes. I was thinking, what if they made those uh, cameras underwater cameras? Then you could put them out in certain parts of a lake and see if the fish are swimming by. Well, I had a, I had a, I mean, that might not be so, so insane. Uh, I had a guy uh, fishing with me yesterday, a young man named Tony. Uh, he's a friend of my friend Mark, and uh, he caught a muskie, so we had a su- successful, successful day. Um, but uh, he was talking, he does diving, and he uses GoPro cameras underwater. And, um, and I think his GoPro camera, I think those photos go back to his phone as well. Uh, seems to me he was telling me something like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, today with technology, man, anything's possible. It's crazy. Yeah, who knows? My goodness. That, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking... You know, because they've got underwater cameras, and GoPros now can go underwater. So, why not? Why not a trail cam underwater? You know. I well, just, you know. but 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 think about it, Tom. You know how many goddamn fish would be swimming by all the time, uh, setting your camera off. I, I, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, you might not. I don't think the thousand photo a month plan would cover it, dude. <laughs> You'd need to ten thousand. You know, school <laughs> yeah, of fifty maybe. crappies come through. Yeah, that's yeah. My, yeah, school of them, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, they they are, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, uh, they are considering new regulations 
for Lake Winnebago spearing involving the use of underwater cameras to spot the sturgeon and see, you know, and, and monitor kind of like what you're talking about. I don't know exactly what there is out there, but apparently I, I, I didn't get all the details. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's been illegal to this point to use that kind of technology or not, but I know there was some discussion about that for the sturgeon and you can think about it. You know, most people sit there and they stare down that hole and again, I've likened it to looking up a chimney waiting for a goose to fly over. And you can probably go cr crazy staring into that hole. And then all of a sudden the sturgeon appears and you got to be ready. But if you had a camera that you could see them coming in, you know, 30 yards out to the left or to the side or whatever, that would be a big advantage because then instead of staring down a hole, you're looking at your cameras first and then the hole. Yeah. Yeah, because I've heard a lot of people get mesmerized looking at that hole, and that's why they have those safety ropes around them just in case, because people have fallen in that hole, you know. Yeah, that 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 would not be good. No, it would not be good at all. Not not at all. And you know, when it comes to technology, sometimes the DNR has got to put their foot down on certain things. You know, like with drones for deer hunting. Uh, there's a certain time when you cannot use a drone, you know, during deer hunting. Isn't that true? Uh, I have no idea as far as drones in deer hunting. Um, this is a guy who the closest I ever got to flying a drone was when I made a, a paper airplane in fifth grade. And Mrs. Lucas, my teacher, guy gave me a detention because I launched it across the room at Jimmy Whitney's head. So, no, I, I don't know. Drones and deer hunting I, is beyond my expertise. Yeah, I think I, I think I heard that. I think I heard that once, that, like, during the deer season, you can't be using a drone where you're hunting or something something like that. Yeah, maybe one of our listeners will call and tell us that they've heard more, more about it. But right now, we got our top-of-the-hour break, folks. So just a couple minutes and... We'll be back with the second hour here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. That's right, folks. Only place you can find the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors is on 1250 AM, The Fan. Every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 AM, Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, bring you a lot of interesting stuff about fishing and hunting. And, and who knows? Sometimes we get off the rails, we talk about some crazy stuff, some goofy stuff. But you know what? That's what makes life fun. And if you want to be part of the fun, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. 
So, anyway, Danny, here we are, second hour. Second oh, hour. Yeah, here he is. Yes, um, yes. There, oh, shoot, there was something I was going to... Oh, shoot, I was just thinking about it while while that the, the announcer was talking about our show. Something to tell you, and, and right out of my head it went... You know, that happens to me lately. Um, I'll be thinking about something to say, and then when it comes time to say it, I forgot about it. <laughs> I don't know um, if that's old age or what. <laughs> yeah, I think you're getting old. Hey, uh, let's see, a couple in, little information. Uh, Milwaukee chapter of Muskies, Inc., uh, they will be having their veterans fishing outing on Saturday, September 11th. Uh, so they are still looking for some captains and boats. So if you're interested, uh, you can contact uh, Bob Ket- Petsky. He's at uh, Robert Petsky, P-E-T-Z-K-E, at yahoo.com. Uh, or you can give him a call. I'm sure Google Milwaukee Chapter of Muskies, Inc. And also, uh, let's see, they've got a, somebody's going to be speaking. Oh, I guess that's wrong. Nope, nope, um, wrong. False alarm there. Uh, also, how about, do you want to go over those uh, new uh, seasons now, you said, for the regs? Yeah, in just one second. I just remembered what it was. I'm, okay. you know, As you know, Danny, I, I read a lot of books. And right now I'm reading a book by John Sanford. Uh, he's one of my favorite writers. Anyway, and I think the book is called Deadline. And as I'm reading the book, there's a character in the book. And you know what his name is? His name is Dan Bush. Spelled no. the way you spell it. <laughs> I had a, I almost called you up to tell you, you know, I thought, well, oh, I'm not going to bother him just for this, but I figured, well, I'll tell him on Saturday morning. So your name is being used in the book. In the book. In okay. The book. And and remember that, that the guy I sent you that email, the guy said uh, he was didn't know if you knew, you know, about the, there's a bar, restaurant, whatever, that's called Bushy's. I, I don't know if it's in Hales Corners or Muskego. I mean, it, it's real close to the line there, but it's on Janesville Road, and it's called Bushies. So there's a there's named after you. Well, you know, the nice thing about having a beer company uh, yeah, as your true. last name is you can get some really cool signs. You know, like if you go in, in northern Wisconsin in November, uh, a lot of times you'll see signs, you know, you know, bush, you know, and they'll have a hunting kind of a low a picture of a deer or whatever and this and that. So uh, I, I talked to a liquor distributor the other, uh, oh, geez, uh, months ago. And I said, hey, can you get me one of those cool, you know, bush bush beer signs, one of the hunting ones? And he got me this really cool poster and it says bush season is always open. And it's got the picture of a big buck and it's got a picture of a bush light. So it's really cool. I'm going to put it up at the cabin when I get up there this uh, this year. Yeah, that is cool because, you know, there, there's no beer named Neubauer, so I, <laughs> I can't look for any posters or signs with that on it. But getting back to what you were saying, okay, the, the gun hunt for hunters with disabilities is uh, October 2nd through the 10th. The youth deer hunt is October 9th through the 10th. The gun deer hunt is going to be normally the 20th, November 20th to the 28th. Then right after that is the muzzle loader, 
November 29th through December 8th. Then you got the statewide antlerless hunt, December 9th through the 12th. And then the farmland zone holiday hunt, December 24th through January 1st. You know, I'll tell you, Dan, there's a lot of seasons for people to go out hunting. And, of course, like you said earlier, the, the, the what do you call it, the archery season starts on September 8th, 18th, you know, and extended to uh, January 31st. So there's a lot of opportunities for those who are into deer hunting. And also, I believe, uh, you know, check the regs, but I think the early Canada goose where you can shoot five of them a day. I think that starts September 1st, which is that next week, Tuesday or something, or Wednesday, something like that. Oh, see, no, um, days the 28th, 29th, yeah. I, how many, how, are there 31 days in this month or 30? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought you know 31. everything, Tom. What's that? 31. 31. 31. Thanks. That's that's why we got Sam here to help us with those complex questions like that. Hey, we got a caller on the line, Tom. Okay. All right, let's go to Al in Economwalk. Al. I bet you this is Al Shook. Good morning, gentlemen. How yes, are we it doing? Is. Hi, Al. Doing good, Al. Yeah, Dan, you're right. Not only early goose, but the morning dove and teal open on Wednesday. Good, so, good. The season starts up. That's one of the reasons why I'm calling you guys uh, the Waukesha County Conservation Alliance that I belong to is having a habitat shoot at Warren Valley Sporting Clays. This will be a, your last chance to warm up before the season starts by shooting around the Sporting Clays. And it's a fundraiser for the, for the Alliance. Um, we've got our first prize is a silver eagle 12 gauge over and under second prize is a hundred dollars cash and third prize is fifty dollars cash and you get a prize ticket to each target that you break when you're on the course and if you're not that good of a shot or you just don't have time to shoot you can come by and buy what we call a wingspan of prize tickets for twenty dollars uh, the first round of 50 birds is 30 bucks, and then if you want to reshoot, it's another $25. But all the money that we raise stays in Waukesha County, except for the scholarships that we give to Stevens Point, University of Stevens Point, for a couple of uh, conservation students that go to school up there. We give $1,000, two $1,000 scholarships each year. Other than that, all the money stays right in the county. Uh, got a question for you, Al. Now, I'm reading this uh, from the DNR, and it says there's no longer a Mississippi River duck zone. That's right. They went to what they call the big water zone instead of Mississippi River. Now it's the Lake Michigan and Sturgeon Bay zone. Oh, okay. I think you've got to be 500 feet or something off the shore uh, to be out in the big water on Lake Michigan and the regulations for Sturgeon Bay will pretty much stay the same. But and I understand the, the waterfall stamp fees have changed. Are they going up? Yeah, they have, been, they have increased, and uh, waterfowlers in different groups have been asking the state legislature to raise money because it had probably been uh, fifth, close to 15 years since there had been an increase in the fees for that stamp, and those monies are used for habitat 
and you know uh, marsh restoration and things like that for for waterfowl. All right. You know what? What is the waterfowl stamp fee going to be this year? Do you know? It was uh, for Wisconsin. It was raised from seven dollars to twelve dollars, I believe. I get a conservation patron's license, so all of that stuff's included. Right. On uh, the federal stamp is twenty eight dollars. So you need both of them. You need a federal stamp, and then you need a state stamp, plus a small game hunting license to take part in the early goose and the dove and the teal season. Very good, Al. We appreciate that information. Uh, I guess we're going to have to go to – we got another caller, but real quick, tell us the hours and uh, where they're going to hold that uh, event again today. Uh, the first uh, first squad will go out at 9 o'clock, and it's from 9 to 3 at Wern Valley in Waukesha, right on uh, Wern Way in Waukesha or Highway D. So a lot of people know where Wern Valley is. It's one of the best places for sporting clays uh, in the area. So it'd be nice to come out and see you guys, and the money will go to a great cause, and that first prize is a dandy, a uh, silver evil Silver Eagle over and under 12 gauge. It's a beautiful gun. All right. All right. Sounds good, Al. Take care. Good luck. Great show. Good so far. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. Who we got, got Sam? Another caller? Yep. Let's go to Dave from Mountain Pleasant. Good morning, Dave. Hey, guys. Good morning. I've been uh, driving out. I'm on my way out to Lansing, Iowa to set up a duck blind on the Mississippi River backwaters there. And, uh, listen to you guys all morning good show so so, sounds good you're into the duck hunting i take it huh yes sir uh matter of fact that's kind of why i called uh not only setting up the duck blind but looking forward to a lot of good flying uh because of the mississippi having water and a lot of the uh, uh the small potholes up in the dakotas are all dried up so there's a lot of encouraging signs that there's going to be a lot of ducks coming down the Mississippi flyway. So we're going to ha- hopefully hammer some teal uh, next weekend or the weekend after. And then uh, I guess there are a lot of wood ducks out on the uh, the Mississippi as well. So we're we're excited. Hopefully we'll get some good shooting in. So what are you guys hearing? Well, I was going to ask you, have you done this for a number of years? Yes, I have. I've been doing it for about uh, 13, 14 years. And you and you do uh, pretty well over on the Mississippi, eh? Well, interestingly enough, last year uh, the teal season early on, like the first uh, couple days, weren't so good. And then, crazily enough, man, on a, on a particular Saturday morning, we we crushed like a dozen of them on a sat on a Saturday morning. And um, uh, you know, we had you know three guys in a boat, one guy on land, so we were. We, doing really well and in the afternoon not so bad either we you know get you know three or four um so we did we did pretty well last year uh on a couple times that we went out and then uh for the early season um we did pretty well with the uh the wood ducks and a couple of the mallards came down and then later on in the year uh my my uncles did really well with the, the mallards so not too bad. Uh, it hasn't been as good in the last five years or so, but, you know, uh, fits and spurts, I guess. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And, hey, uh, after, you know, you've done, after you've been up there, after the first weekend or whatever that you've gone, give us a call. Let, let us know how you did. 
All right. Take care, guys. All right. All right. Good luck. So, Danny, are you going to do the goose hunting with your buddies this year? Yeah, I, I got to get on the horn and, and find out. Uh, because uh, I, that would be fun, you know. I uh, I got I got ammo. I got I got shells. Fortunately, um, and that was going to be my next question uh, for our caller. I uh, was uh, has he had any problem getting uh, getting all the loads that he needs for the waterfowl? Uh, you know, being as ammo in general has been kind of scarce. Now I did uh, I did pick up a box of slugs, um, uh, fifteen of them. Uh, for about 19 bucks, I uh, Winchester Western. I normally like to use the Remington Slugger, but uh, I, I, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And I found one box at the uh, is it the Fleet Farm or Farm and Fleet, whichever one it is, right there in Waukesha. And I, I scarfed up a box and got it. Um, I scarfed up a box of 270 shells at uh, at one of the local guns gun shops as well. So if you stay on the outlook. Uh, you know, keep your eyes open when you pop into places. Once in a while, you might pick up a stray box of what you might need, and uh, you know, so you can have it for the hunt. Yeah, and uh, when our listeners hear the commercials that we run, who, you know, the the businesses that sponsor our show, they might find something that they need too. So anyway, oh wow, what a segue. Anyway, folks, we'll be right back. Why don't Why don't we just say we're going to break? Yeah, that's what I was just about to do. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're right. Stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes cutting in. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes. Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Newbauer. We're in the second hour, Tom, and uh, we were, we've been talking a little bit of hunting here. Um, I, I, you know, everybody who listens to our show probably know that one of my favorite early season hunts is to get out and do some squirrel hunting, Tom. So I got to ask you, did you ever squirrel hunt? Oh yeah. Did you? Yeah, years now, ago, my my one of my brother-in-laws. And I, we, we did a lot of squirrel hunting. Now, did you use a shotgun or a twenty-two? We used a shotgun. Okay, okay. Uh, at that time, I didn't have a twenty-two rifle. I had a twenty-two pistol, but I wasn't going to try that, you know, trying to get those little, those squirrels. So, no, we used shotguns, and, yeah, and we, we ate a bunch of squirrels back then. You know, one of my proudest moments was when I shot five squirrels i got my limit uh september in a shano uh shoshano woodlot uh just uh west of green bay i had a mix of uh i think i had two fox and three grays and i went knocking on my girlfriend's door and she had to come out and take a picture of me kneeling in her front lawn with my 22 ruger semi-auto and the five squirrels proudly displayed but I'll tell you what, it was it was quite a challenge as far as hitting them with the handgun. Now, I've always liked to use a 22. Now, there are some that say, oh, yeah, I, I only take headshots for them. Well, guess what? If you're in an area where there's enough squirrels and you can sit and you'll eventually get that stationary headshot where the thing's sitting still 
giving you, you know, that shot, great. Then you got a good rest. Uh, but otherwise, uh, if you get a shot, if I get a shot at one in the chest, uh, I'll take them right in the chest with the hollow point. Uh, now, there are times when uh, all I could see was the head, and I have nailed them right in the head before. But if you hit them in the chest with a hollow point, and I do suggest, I've done some, you know, over the years, I've used a lot of different ammo for squirrel hunting, Tom. And uh, if you get the just the, 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 the regular copper-plated non-hollow points, those seem to expand the least. If you get just the plain old lead, like the old Winchester Wildcat, those seem to expand a little bit better than the copper-plated. And then again, if you get the hollow points, those are the ones that really, you know, kind of blow up. A, and, uh, you know, if, if there's a marginal hit on a squirrel, uh, the hollow points do the best as far as putting them down. If you can find them now. Now, when you were last at Sherpers, did they still have any of the 22 ammo left, or were they out? No, they were. that was all gone. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. gone. Well, yeah, you know, fortunately, I've got a bucket of those uh, that I think you sold them to me years ago, the uh, the Remington Remington yeah, uh, yeah. Golden Bullets. I got a whole bucket of those. Yeah, I got plenty of, of 22s, that's for sure. We got an email here, Danny. Okay. This is from James. James says, Tom, you should enlighten the people about bass, differences in species, that the largemouth bass is the largest of the in the panfish category. And good to eat, being the two and three pounders. Of course, I have known people to eat all sizes. And then he says, uh, thanks, keep up. Uh, oh, here, uh, also keep informing us of, of your recipes. Take care and good fishing. And that's from James. Uh, well, just to make it real short and sweet, uh, you know, there's a number of different bass species, like the largemouth bass, the smallmouth bass, the uh, spotted bass, that's down south. We don't have any of those up here. The Swanee bass, that's out southwest. There's a number of different, you know, species of smaller bass, like the Swanee bass, and there's a red-eye bass. Uh, so there's a number of different ones, but the main ones that we know right here are the smallmouth and the largemouth. And he's right. The, the largemouth bass is the largest member of the panfish category. They're in the panfish family. And, uh, and yes, he's right. They are good to eat. Um, those uh, two to three pounders, they're, they're excellent eating. Uh, you know, it's funny, Danny, that, uh, you know, Ch Chilean uh, sea bass are excellent. Uh, regular black sea bass are excellent, you know, from the ocean. You know, all these bass from the ocean are good to eat, right? So why, why do people think that largemouth bass are not good to eat? I don't know. And I've heard from people, you know, that have called the show, either called us or emailed us and said that uh, that the smallmouth bass from the Bay of Green Bay are excellent eating. Now, I wouldn't, I mean, I did have some many years ago, and I don't remember if they were good or not. I don't remember. But well, I know largemouth bass from around here are just fine. There's nothing wrong with them. And I, I, and, huh? Go ahead. I had a couple smallmouth bass from the Bay of Green Bay because we had caught a couple incidental Yeah. Uh, walleyes and uh, pike and we just thought we needed a little bit more to round it off and so I kept one or two smallmouth the smaller ones that were legal yeah. and fried it all up I'll tell you walleye pike smallie from the Bay of Green Bay it was delicious they were all good huh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah fantastic yeah so uh, and and I've said it before I would rather clean 
two 15-inch uh, largemouth than 10 or, let's say, a dozen or 15 bluegills. <laughs> you know, I'd rather clean two fish than a dozen. So uh, anyway, so that's, and, and for me and my wife, I mean, that's perfect, you know, for me and her. So uh, well, bass. Yeah, I, I like eating bass. Yeah, they're good. But no. I, Oh, but I'll tell you what, though. Perch and bluegill, oh, man, those are so good. Those are excellent. So well, anyway. I guess you mentioned now bass are part of the panfish family, correct? Yeah. Yes, they're the largest member of the panfish family. You know, just like uh, muskies and pike and pickerel, they're all part of that family, you know. And walleyes and sauger and sawgye and perch, those are all part of that family. So, and, and you know how they determine who's in what family is all by the skeletal structure. That's how they go by that, so. Huh. You know, it, it, it's... It, are bass, it, like, like northern pike, they're native to North America, but they're also in Europe. How about how about bass? Are they in Europe? Are they in other countries other than here? Well, they're in uh, Japan, of course. They, they, they stocked them over there. But uh, th- this was an eye-opener for me and quite a few years ago. I was fishing a BASS uh, regional tournament, and uh, I started, I heard these guys talking, and they had a kind of a funny accent. I kind of knew they, and, and the tournament was in Minnesota, and I knew they weren't from around here. So it turns out these guys were from Zimbabwe, Africa, and their bass club down there uh, traveled, you know, the members that made it to this uh, regional tournament traveled from Zimbabwe to I think it was Great Britain, and then from Great Britain to Chicago, and then drove up to uh, this uh, lake in Canada, Gull Lake. I mean, not in Canada, but in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, so I was talking to these fellas from Zimbabwe, and uh, and they have bass fishing like we have, ex- except, though, on the rivers that they fish, the guy said, uh, if you see a hippopotamus, and it goes under the water, he says, you move. You don't want to be in that area because he said they could bite off part of your boat. <laughs> so I said, well, we don't have those kind of problems here, you know. And uh, and then the other thing was is that they would buy stuff from, like, Bass Pro Shops and that. The only problem was the shipping expense was so darn expensive, you know, to come from the States to Zimbabwe, Africa. So it, it, it was quite interesting talking with these fellas you know that traveled all that way to fish a stupid bass tournament you know but but you said they have bass yeah in zimbabwe yeah yep they did are, are, yeah they got are, them over did, there now i can't native remember, or stocked yeah see i can't remember if they were stocked or not but the other thing too about the largemouth bass in this country is that there's different strains, like the northern strain, the Florida strain, the southern strain, you know. There's different strains of bass. So, anyway, but you know, one thing I'd like to ask our listeners, I would like to, you know, during the break, if somebody would think about it and maybe give a call after the break, um, I want to go out to Bass's Bay on Big Muskego, but I've heard that the water is very low. And uh, I want to. I don't want to go through that marsh if it's that low of a water. So if anybody knows the water level on uh, Big Muskego Lake, uh, I'd appreciate it if they give us a call here on the station at four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. 
or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And with that, we got to go to a break, Danny. So okay. uh, he's, he's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards, and we'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Of the people have gotten it, you know. So, 
I don't know. What do you hello, mean? hello. Oh, he's back. I'm back. Sorry there. Yeah, I'm back. That's right. Here, we were, so. I was just talking about the the corona vaccine. Oh. And asking people how they felt about it. If it if they yeah. trust it, do they not trust it? Are they did they get it? Did they not get it? Are they gonna get it? Are they not gonna get it? You know? There's I don't know. Oh. I I don't know if people want to get on the political stuff. Well that uh, I don't I don't see I don't consider They probably that. just want to talk about are you worried about chronic wasting disease in Waukesha uh, County Deer? Well, I don't consider it uh, political. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's a health issue, not a, so much a political one. Although I think some people have turned it into a political issue, which I think right. is silly. But it's it's more of a health issue than anything else. So, and you and I, well, got I know it, you. So we're safe. Well, yeah. Now well, I know you. You how are how are you feeling? I know you're oh, self quarantined right didn't now. Get, I I haven't had any of the effects. But my wife felt like she had a, a like a, a light a slight cold, uh, you know. So and 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 that's what I've heard that if you if you if you've had the vaccines and you were to get the virus that it, it could it could you could show different signs of it, you know. And uh, so my wife is kind of like showing the slight cold signs. So it was not gotcha. a big deal, you know, not a big deal. Now other people gotcha. they felt a little sicker, you know. And some people, well, and some of them, you know, would lose their taste, uh, sense of taste and smell. And that's a definite sign that you have it, you know. Well, you know, Tom, it's it's all about personal protection. And speaking of personal protection, yeah. uh, I got some personal protection scenarios courtesy of WCT. Uh, and I just thought that it, this might be valuable for some of our listeners. Now, WCT opened that uh, beautiful state-of-the-art range years ago, which wasn't originally open to the public. I don't think it is anymore, but they got some really cool courses. And they got one now. It's a four-hour course that's designed for those who desire training to defend themselves should a situation occur. And in today's world, Tom, we know too bad. There's been a lot of bad situations going on in our country. But anyway, it's an interactive firearms use of force computer system. It's combined with actual force-on-force scenarios to expose attendees to a series of real-world situations, including home invasion, carjacking, workforce violence. Uh, It says if you're a responsible firearms owner seeking additional defensive training, this course is for you. And they've got them starting Saturday. Well, actually, today starts one. Then they got Wednesday night, September 8th. Saturday the 18th, Wednesday the October 13th, and Saturday October 16th, and the cost is only $30.50. Uh, so I would highly recommend contact WCTC, and you can actually go to their website. It's WCTC.edu. That stands for Education, Tom. And so it's WCTC.edu/self-defense. And, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, I should probably sign up for one of those courses. It sounds like it'd be valuable and a lot of fun. Yeah, it does sound like it. Hey, we got an so, email. Okay. That's what I was hoping for, too. Uh, concerning Big Muskego Lake, this is from Gary. Gary says, Tom, to your question regarding the water level on Big Muskego Lake, the level is currently average for this time of year. If you launch from Hunter's Nest and run along the shoreline then to the Bass Bay Channel, you should have no problem getting to the bay. 
Well, I want to thank Gary for that. I do appreciate it. So now I think I know where I'm going to go one day next week. So, because I haven't been out so, to Bass's Bay in, ever since they put that stupid 40-inch size limit on Northern Pike. Yeah, maybe we that should get doggone it. Maybe we stupid 40-inch size limit. Again. Danny, <laughs> maybe the, you know, like the you know, like the stupid forty-inch size limit on Northern Pike on Bass's Bay, the stupid eight twenty-inch size limit on uh, uh, Lake Labelle for walleyes. That's stupid, you know. And yeah. why there is and why there is no no boat launch. I mean, a regular normal boat launch on North Lake. That's is that stupid, stupid too? That's stupid i'll tell you what you know the dnr does a lot of really good things and then they do some just dumb things you know and and i think it's you know it's i think it's all predicated on money i really do you know like the north lake i i think that's all about money yeah you know it's the golden rule tom those with the gold make the rules yeah Mm -hmm. you know you just gotta suck it up and get used to it buddy yep Money talks, and you know you know what walks. <laughs> and just you know, and if you want, just go catch a northern over forty inches, and it won't be a problem, Tom. Well, there won't be any. There aren't any. There That's aren't. A a, what do you mean there aren't any? There There's aren't, none on Muskego over forty not on, inches. Not on Bass's Bay in Muskego, no. And but, I pre- will you give someone a thousand dollars if they produce one just like that twenty-inch crappie? No, 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 I will not. No. Nope. Okay. Here's the thing. I thought maybe you were... When they first put out that uh, size limit, I, I predicted at that time that you're going to have a bunch of big-headed, skinny-bodied northern pike, and none of them are going to reach 40 inches. What they should have done was had a slot limit, something to the effect like, you know, 26 to 36 inches go back in, you know. Uh, if they would have put a slot limit, that would have been much better because right now what you got is you got a bunch of those mid-sized 40-inch pike eating all the other fish in the lake because, you know, those are just eating machines. And uh, But the problem is is that it's not like they got this unlimited food source in Bass. It's just a bay of, of Big Muskego Lake and kind of cut off from the rest of the lake, you know. So it, it's, I don't know, it, it just seems so foolish to do that. It just uh, and and sure enough, it's true. Uh, I know people who have caught northern pike out there, and it's just what we've been predicting. You know, big heads, skinny bodies. You know, and that's what happens. You know, so anyway. But I just think it was just a silly idea. And you know, they I I heard talk uh, last year that on Lake Labelle the 28 inch size limit was going to be retracted, and they were going to go to a slot size limit. And I thought, oh, good Lord, it's about time. Because it, slot sizes have proven it works in, you know, Minnesota, in Canada, and in some places in Wisconsin where they have it. It's shown that it works extremely well. But you know what? It never came to fruition. They never did it. So maybe this year, Danny. Or I should say well, next year. Maybe next I, year. You know, I... I, I, the one, the 40 inch, I, I tease you, but that one fish over 40 inches, I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's going to lead to a bunch of smaller, smaller pike and mosquito. So I, I, I do understand your thinking there. I don't know why they'd go with that. I do understand too, that 
slot limits. Um, I know you never met a slot limit you didn't love, but uh, slot limits, I think, generally can be pretty good, but I don't think they're the magic bullet either. In some bodies of water, that might not be the best management tool. That is true. That is true. But but it seems like wherever they've been implemented, they've worked. You know, so... Well, well, you know again, what? We haven't heard. We haven't heard every place they've been implemented. That's though. true. And you know, the funny thing is, is like you know, the DNR says, "Well, we're going to do this study for whatever so many years." Well, you know, they can they can do other studies too. You know, do a study on a certain length limit, then do a study on a slot size limit. I mean, if you're going to take 30 years on a study for a certain size limit, I think you could break <laughs> that up into 10 years a piece. You know, of different studies. You know. To see what works well those know. studies those studies do tend to go on and on i remember when we did the the musky study on on pewaukee and they had uh i think it was wisconsin lutheran college involved yeah, and i think it was yeah. dr anderson and and um we did get results from that i think muskies inc did a presentation but you know i i got them two musky skulls from 50 plus inch fish so they were going to age and try and see you know what the age is and nobody ever got back to me with any information so that was a little disheartening as far as studies go you try and help and cooperate and you hear nothing from them okay so that's my gripe and i'm sticking with it all right well it's break time right now the last break we're on the last stretch the home stretch of the blacky walleye's cutting edge outdoors and when we come back i have another email that just popped in from gregory we'll take that as soon as we come back with more of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. It's the final countdown! The final countdown! Welcome back to the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for getting on board the train today. Uh, we're on the rails or off the rails, a little of both, and this is our last segment. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Tom? Yeah, I said we got an email. Yes. Uh, came in from Greg. Greg says, I am 66, and I believe you should get the vaccine. Only side effect was a sore arm. I also recommend getting a flu shot early or yearly. Almost died from the flu 17 years ago. Thank God he gave us the knowledge to fight the COVID-19 and the flu. And that's from Greg. Well, thanks for writing, Greg. And that must have been some experience, almost dying from the flu 17 years ago. So, oh, and uh, here it says, oh, we got another uh, email from James again about Big Muskego. It says, Tom, I have not been out for a while, but how large of a boat are you launching? Do not expect to launch an 18- to 20-foot fiberglass boat. I haven't tried to go out because of low water levels for about a month and a half. He runs uh, 1850 Pro Tiller with a 90 aluminum hull, a fish uh, with the grandchildren launching from the DNR at Boxhorn. Uh, you could launch from the DNR uh, site on Durham or try the Hunter's Nest. Uh, you could be closer to the bay than that. So uh, good fishing, Tom. Off air. Tom, please let Dan know I plan on calling him to ask him about his camera. So James is going to ask you about your camera. Well, you know, matter of fact, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to announce that 
you, you know how those uh, those hummingbird reps do? Uh, they go around and do presentations to groups as far as how to use, you know, electronics. You like to muskies ink and stuff. You know, I think I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to market myself out now as a professional trainer for the Spy Point microlink lte cameras and travel the world giving seminars now that i'm such an expert with these electronics man think oh. i can make any money tom well you know you never know unless you try <laughs> what do you think and then and then you know once i build you know bouncing off you know building on that success I will then train you on how to use your new smartphone or Android once you finally get rid of that stupid flip phone and get one. And I won't charge you, Tom. I'll give you the training free. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. got another help, email. Help. We got an email from Bob on Stumpy Bay, regular listener, about is the tile Nile perch good to eat? The Nile perch is a species of freshwater fish that can grow up to two meters long, that's over three feet, folks, and weigh as much as 200 kilograms. Oh, by the way, that's over 400 pounds. Uh, due to its size and preference for shallow water, the Nile perch is a relatively easy to catch and is almost boneless white. It's, uh, it's almost boneless white flesh is primarily good for eating. So thank you, Bob, on Stumpy Bay for letting us know. Next time, and, and actually, and I are over uh, fishing on the Nile. Uh, we'll try some. That's so. that's actually over six feet long. Yes. Uh, is what did I say? Four? I'm sorry. You said that's three. It. You oh, said I'm three sorry. feet. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking yeah, two that meters. a meter is a little over three feet. So that's right, over six feet long and over 400 pounds. Wow probably seven so yeah yeah that's a, that's a pretty big perch yeah that's a big, that's a pretty big perch yeah that is so i'm gonna have to try to go on a computer and find a picture of one because i mean i've seen pictures before but i just can't remember but i think they look just like our perch i think they how do. how big how big of a mini mite would you need to use for for that for, <laughs> for the old nile perch tom uh, i don't know i don't think they make them that big <laughs> Pretty funny I, though. I wonder if they got a 40 inch size limit on those perch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that they'd have to, right? I mean, if they get up to almost seven feet, they don't almost have to have a size limit. You know, they're measuring that, by and... the feet, not the inch. Jeez. Yeah. I, I want, do they have boat launches on the Nile River? Yeah. I imagine they, they, they must have some kind of launches. I don't know. Yeah, that's another good question. Who knows? Maybe you just yeah, gotta come kn in from the Mediterranean. You know, who knows? Well, I think they just lug their. I think they just carry their little canoes in. You know, you yeah. you know, they were t you were talking about hippo, hippo, hippos. You know, with the old uh, what the 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 guys from the Zimbabwe Zimbabwe Bass and Lions yeah, Club yeah. that you met. Yeah. Uh, you know, they catch bass and shoot lions. Uh, they said if you see a hippo go underwater, the hippo is considered a very dangerous animal. It, yeah, uh, it you is, know, without a doubt. In Africa. Yeah. yeah. I when mean, we you, had you, those guys in from, you know, from South Africa that came on the show years ago, uh, they said that uh, the hippo was the, kills more people than any other fish, I mean, than any other animal in Africa. It's a very dangerous animal. Yeah, and when they go underwater... You don't know where they're going to pop up, you know. 
and you don't want to be around them when they do pop up. You don't want them around you. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I read a a, a survival story of a of a person at one time. They were on like some 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 kind of a, a canoe kind of a deal or kayak whatever, and they had a tour guide, and it was there, you know, in Africa. And uh, one of them, they got attacked by a hippo. And uh, think from the story, woman lost her leg. I mean, she actually got chomped down and under and dragged underwater by the hippo. Um, yeah, it's terrible. So yeah, that, yeah, that stay away great. from hippos. You know, it's funny. Those guys over there in Zimbabwe, they got to worry about hippos and uh, crocodiles. We, we, what do we got to worry about? Jet skiers? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they got to, you know what, there's a lot more problems in other areas of the world than what we got going on in America here. And by golly, we got to be thankful we live here because we're a pretty darn good country and not as terrible as a lot of people want to make us out to be. That's right. I agree, Danny. I agree. All right. So. I think we got a minute left, Tom, and that's all I got. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's all I got for this week. I'm looking forward to next week. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.